Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Lobon in Los Angeles. Tony is off, so who exactly is back in the studio? Who else? Phil and Frank. Come on, Mike. Who'd you Man, expect? Man, you look comfy. Feet up. Tie loosened. Well, I mean, not that loose. That's how you I roll. You are just having a good old time there, aren't you? That's how I am when you let me house sit. I'm on the couch. I got your refrigerator open. <laughs> feeding the dog. <laughs> Leave my Gatorade alone. <laughs> Welcome to PTI. Tony is apparently too fragile to work an entire week. So I'm joined by our great friend from The Athletic, Mr. Frank Isola. Yeah, nice and loud. There's your power. I was expecting a Bronx cheer in there somewhere. Didn't get it. We're going to start with a huge slate of NCAA regional semis in Kansas City and where Frank is sitting in the nation's capital. Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Michigan State in action. Blue bloods, baby. We've come to the part of the program, though, where royalty may not count for all that much. The Wildcats have Houston, and the Blue Devils have a Virginia Tech team that will be playing close to home with a win over Duke in the regular season already under its belt. Frank, which of these powerhouses is most likely to go down? Well, first of all, three SEC teams, three ACC teams tonight, so it's big. I know one AC team, a- ACC team is going to advance because Virginia Tech plays Duke. And here's the thing about Virginia Tech, and you know this, Mike. When these conference teams face each other in the tournament, the whole intimidation factor is gone. Done. So even yeah. though they beat Duke without Zion Williamson, I don't think Virginia Tech is that worried about playing Duke. The whole, they're not going to be in awe of Duke coming in and, Virginia, and, uh, and Zion Williamson. And here's the thing, too. Those players on Virginia Tech, they were talking about it yesterday in D.C., how, you know what, we're not intimidated. It's not that big of a deal. I like the mindset, and Buzz Williams, a very good coach, that Virginia Tech has going into this game tonight. Frank, they are not going to be scared. Not at all. Now, the team I did circle here for being most in trouble is Kentucky. Yep. Playing against a Houston team that we – when is the last time we saw Houston? Was it Drexler and Akeem? 1984. We're talking a long time ago this deep into a tournament. I think that's fun for, for some of us who of a certain age. But going back to Duke for a second, people also don't understand the Mid-Atlantic, a lot of folks outside of it, and they think, oh, Duke is playing in Washington, D.C. It's a four-hour drive. It's, it's, it's a home game. No. Yep. Because Virginia Tech is about the same distance, maybe a little closer. And Virginia Tech's a whole lot bigger than Duke. And Virginia Tech, I expect supporters in that arena in downtown D.C. to outnumber Duke 2-1. to I do. Now, I still expect Duke to win the game. But the Hokies are not scurred, Frank. And I think that's going to be some (laughs) matchup. I have half of the Virginia Tech fans staying in my hotel. Here's the thing about Houston. It's a good point you brought up. They went 33-3 and during the regular season. And, and through the tournament. They did very well against Ohio State. They got a player, Corey Davis. He's the best yeah. player left in the yeah. tournament that nobody's talking about. The last two games, he has a total of 47 points. Mike, I think you're on to something. I think Houston is a very dangerous team here. So, in other words, quickly, you and I think Carolina and Michigan State, we think they're yes. solid. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, I've been... Duke could be in a little bit of trouble tonight. All right, Purdue advanced to the Elite Eight with an overtime win against Tennessee that included a controversial call in the final 1.7 seconds of regulation. The Boilermakers were trailing by two when Tennessee's Lamonte Turner was called for a foul on Carson Edwards, who was shooting a three. Edwards made two of the free throws to force overtime. Michael, you have a problem with that call and when the call was made as well. Frank, I, I didn't, and let me declare my bias right up front. I, I'm sort of rooting for the conference for the Big Ten here, and I've got Purdue in my final four. So I'm looking at that thinking, wow, Tennessee's going to advance and start to destroy my bracket. And you hear that whistle, and once I saw the replays, 
you know, he was adjusting his body to yep. try to avoid fouling and didn't avoid it. There was a call was earlier, unnatural. not that earlier, to put Tennessee at the line. I, I didn't have any trouble with the Zebras last night, Frank. Tremendous game. And I just think Purdue is this, one of the teams. There's no Cinderella. Anything that's no. far from a Cinderella. But I think Purdue is a team that's catching some folks by surprise advancing this far. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with the call. I think it was the right call. He gets him with the body. Also, it's a bit of an unnatural basketball act to turn your body that way. The only thing is, Edwards did kick out his foot. And Turner had told the referees... During the game, you got to watch that. And, Michael, you know this from the NBA. Reggie Miller was uh, did it all the time. Jamal Crawford has done it. And in the NBA, they do make that call. I think Derry had a legitimate beef, but he does get him with the body. And it's such a heartbreak for Tennessee. They were down 18, 16 minutes to go in the game. They made a great comeback. But in the moment of truth, they made a bad mistake. You have to stay on your feet in that situation. Yes, you when it do. Went on yes, the that, that situation, you got to figure you have the game won. And, you know, this was probably, what, the number two game of the tournament? Yeah. Frank, obviously, Duke Central Florida, you have to consider the game of the tournament. I mean, this was, this was, yeah. I, I'm sure the people in Tennessee are just in agony they, today because they, they think they, they should be in they that have regional the regional They have the two overtime games that they've played. They have two right. terrific games. Let's keep looking back at games from last night, specifically the two number one seeds who won. Gonzaga continued its season-long role. But now it was confronted by a team with probably the most justifiable swagger in the tournament, Texas Tech. And Virginia had a fairly unimpressive win over Oregon in which Tony Bennett didn't trust his bench for more than two minutes in the second half. Now his perhaps tired Cavaliers have to deal with Purdue in the regional final. Frank, do you see either of these number ones as a lock for the final four? <laughs> not, not at all. I think both number ones could be in a little bit of trouble here. No one talks about Texas Tech. Second straight year under Chris Beard, they're in the Elite Eight. They are a very good team. How good are they defensively? I get it. Michigan just couldn't make shots. Michigan scored 16 points in the first half, Mike. Yeah, they had to force some of that. <laughs> I mean, that defense had to force something there. But Mike, that was the fewest points they've ever scored in an NCAA tournament game. The last time it was 45 back in 1948. That's no shot clock, no three-point line. I think the peach basket was being used back then. <laughs> so Texas Tech, and remember the name, Jared Colbert, who's the Big, tw uh, Big 12 Player of the Year. Who would have thought that Texas Tech would have the Big 12 Player of the Year? Yeah, I'm looking at my bracket now, and I, I'm questioning why I didn't take Texas. We There were signs. Frank, we, we had plenty of time to know in the regular season and conference tournament that Texas Tech was as good as Texas Tech looks now. Okay, maybe not like kill Michigan good, but there were signs. But let me go to Virginia for a second. Yeah. Because I'm looking at Tony Bennett, who is, who is a terrific coach. And I reject any of the opinions that say, oh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett's a great coach. But last night, Tony Bennett, to me, nearly cost his team a game. And if he won't go to his bench, he's going to cost his team a game. Because their guys on that bench last night, Salt, Huff, Didn't Key. Play. These guys should have played a total of 30 minutes. The starters yep. were hangdog tired in the end. They played 11 minutes at no points and two rebounds. Tony Bennett's too good to be tight, to, to, to just go away from what got him there. Those are producers. They're reliable. I don't know what was going on with Virginia last night. They're lucky to get out of that game with a 12 seed, and they got to do a lot better if they're going to win their regional final. How about Oregon in the last 540 of this game? They have a three-point lead. They went 0 for 5 three turnovers, and then they had four free throws. That game was like from the mid-70s. It was so poor offensively. I don't know about Virginia against Purdue. Purdue can score. I'm not so sure yeah, can. that Virginia's defense will be able to hold them down. Agree with you. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks held their collective breath on Thursday when Giannis Antetokounmpo, the all-star forward and MVP candidate, limped off the court in a win over the Clippers. That's the second right ankle injury 
in the last two weeks for the Greek freak who recently sat out games against the Lakers and the Cavs. How big of a concern is this for the Bucks, Michael? And do you trust that his ankle will hold up through the postseason? Well, you know what? It's interesting. I just got done on the jump talking with Scottie Pippen about this. And this is a person to listen to who had plenty of four and five game leads in the division late and had the chance to sit out. And, and, and his teams never did. Never did. Scotty never did. Michael never did. Whether it was Paxson or Kerr and Horace Grant or Robin, they didn't. He's saying, Scotty's saying, you know what? It's time to wrap him up and sit him <laughs> down no matter what he says. Antetokounmpo has to sit because this is not a great ensemble. And no. it's missing its second most important player, Malcolm Brogdon. They got to sit him. With a, with a lead like that, Frank, even if they just wait the last three, four games, they got to tell Mr. Antetokounmpo, you've got to sit down, son. Yeah, what you love about Giannis is that he wants to be out there, but I think you're right. Love they're they're yeah. going to finish with the best record in the NBA, certainly the best record in the Eastern Conference. And you mentioned it, Malcolm Brogdon won't be back to at least the second round. Pau Gasol is out at least a month. They think that Miritich will be back for the start of the playoffs. What's funny about this whole thing, the Milwaukee Bucks, they're trending in a lot of ways in the wrong direction, just in terms of injury. You know what this is going to set up for? is going to be the Boston Celtics. They're going to finish either fourth or fifth, and then they're going to end up probably winning a first-round series where Indiana won't have Oladipo, and then they'll get Milwaukee in the second round, which, let's face it, Giannis has never won a playoff series, and Milwaukee's banged up right now. Yeah, Milwaukee and Denver are in interesting positions, right. Frank. Because in the playoffs, experience Unproven. is everything. It's everything. As, at least in, in, in terms of advancing when you're a novice team and Milwaukee qualifies as that, even with Brogdon, it helped them that they got Gasol, but he's out. Miritich has been in big playoff games against LeBron and Cleveland. He's out, at least for now. So, no, they can't. They got to be extra cautious with Antetokounmpo and make him see the light in this case. I do admire him. I but love he wants the kid to that play. he has a throwback ethic that he wants to play. He wants to play, Michael. He also but wants to win MVP. That's right. Do you think this well, could impact him if he sits out I the last few games? It sounds like he might be winning it anyway, or he's right in there. I don't think these last few games are going to impact him. He's not going to have a 70-point game. No. That's one of those eye-candy games. It's not his style. Yeah. So I don't know, but that's going to be an interesting thing down the stretch for him as well. Don't look now, but the Houston Rockets are a freight train as we approach the playoffs. They took out Denver by 27 last night when the Nuggets could have closed in on the top seed in the West. Houston's biggest improvement is on the defensive end where they are second in the NBA since the All-Star break. With that in mind, Austin Rivers said, quote, if we play defense like that, we can win the title, close quote. Frank, are you willing to go as far as Austin? I am. And weren't you the guy who told me back in November that the loss of Trevor Reza will come back to haunt this team? I'll tell you what, they were in 14th place very early in the season. But I think what they've done defensively, you know, P.J. Tucker is terrific. And obviously Capella being back healthy. And then they have, you know, Harden scoring like we haven't seen anybody score in the NBA in a long time. And this is what everyone forgets, conveniently forgets. They were up 3-2 on Golden State. And then Chris Paul hurt his hamstring. I like their chances last year with Chris Paul healthy. That, to me, will be the big question mark. Can Chris Paul finally stay healthy throughout an entire playoff run? Well, they're doing things to try to protect him in ways which I think are smart. Like, Chris is not even bringing the ball up sometimes in those yeah. situations where you think, okay, he's got to have the ball. But let's go back to the defense. I mean, there, there's several components here. Getting Jeff Bezdelic, That's you know, right. their sort of defensive coordinator, back. I mean, whatever they had to do, they should have kept him because he didn't start camp with him. He didn't start in November with him. He came back shortly thereafter. Jeff Bestelic is a defensive wizard. They have to have him. 
They had to have him in conjunction with Chris Paul, who was also one of the best defensive players under 6'5 in the last 15 years in the NBA, year after year after year. Chris may not be as good defensively now as he was three years ago. So what? Chris is back. Capella is back. Bezdelic is back. And James Harden actually showed up. I mean, I've had players in the Western Conference tell me in the playoffs in the past three, four years, he's not even trying. He's that bad a defender. Those guys have changed their tune. Harden is now not just trying, but he's better than adequate defensively. So now you don't have that hole where he's just playing one way. And so, yes, I agree with Austin Rivers. And by the way, Austin Rivers as an addition is a defender. So, yeah, Frank, I think Austin Rivers, I think they can. I'm not saying they will. The Golden State's going to be favored. But Houston looks as formidable as any opponent you know, can right now in the NBA to Golden you State. Know, you mentioned Jeff Bezelik coming. It's almost like he arrived as Carmelo Anthony was leaving. And we know that Carmelo, very good offensive player, not so good defensively. The other component of this is that Golden State, there's a lot of dysfunction surrounding that team this season. You wonder if they, they were have. to get down in a playoff series and the, you know everything with Kevin Durant's future. Maybe they won't have that toughness to kind of fight through. If Houston is going to get to a finals with James Harden and Chris Paul, to me, this it's is now. the year. This, is, this has to be it, it seems yep. for me, and you too. Let's take a break. But coming up, did Bryce Harper deserve any boos on opening day in Philly? Well, you wanted to boo me, and is Sean Payton right to be excited <laughs> to coach against the Sean McVay clones? There's a First lot of them First one to take there. him on publicly. First one to say it. That's right. And he sort of kind of said it. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Time for the game that requires Frank to do some heavy lifting for a change. Mail time. Frank, are you ready to read? You want to give us the first one? Mail time. Let's see what we got. All right. Did Bryce Harper deserve even one boo yesterday? Uh, by way of review, Bryce Harper went over three with a walk, a couple of strikeouts. I think he scored a run. But after that second strikeout, you can hear the boos. First of all, what's with the green spikes? But you can hear the boos. Yes, he deserves to get booed because he signed with Philly. Bryce Harper's not new to this. He didn't come from the American League. He's played in Philly as a division rival from his days in Washington. He knows what the deal is going to be. Yes, he deserved it. Those were Philly fanatic spikes, by the way. Absolute. First of all, I think some of it was somewhat good-natured. It's yes. a long season. It's opening day. They're expecting Bryce Harper, after that huge contract he signs, to show up and hit a home run. You know what? If he had signed with the Yankees and he does this, you don't think he's getting booed? It happened last year with John, uh, Jim, uh, John Carlos Stanton. He was getting booed. The Alex Rodriguez, if you're in a big market like that and on opening day no. you don't deliver, Not it's good-natured. Not all Frank. Just the ones on I-95, and I don't even think Boston would have done that. It's the New York-Philly thing. Washington doesn't do that. Well, he should have stayed. He wouldn't have gotten booed. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Let's see what we got. What's the next one? Did you see Lorenzo Cain's catch as a sign of destiny for the Brewers' season? Well, the Brewers are looking for all this destiny stuff, especially because they're in a division with the Cardinals and the Cubs, and Josh Hader's in the mound, and you look at this. I mean, this is a situation. It's just a great 
opening day catch. It's the kind of thing that frames the whole season when you get off to a great start. You have a tight game. You have great relief pitching and great defense. That's what the Cardinals are specialized in. But let's, let's not get carried away. It's the season over. Oh, you should get carried away. What a great way to end opening day. It By the was. way, big, big Daddy Kane, his big saying is not today. How about ending the game like that? And do you remember many moons ago in an all-star game, Torrey Hunter, almost in the same exact location in the ballpark, made a similar catch against Barry Bonds in an all-star game. But for Kane to catch that, remember, he was a guy that was upset that he didn't win a gold glove last year. Great way to start the season. Frank, everybody's talking Brewers and Cardinals. People have the Cubs finishing third yeah. and last in the division. We'll see. They'll boo in Chicago as well. Bill, we'll yes. see. No, they don't. We don't boo in <laughs> Chicago. All right. Sean Payton says there are some new NFL coaches. The Saints are, quote, excited to play. You like that confidence? You know, I actually do. And sometimes I get a little weary of Sean Payton. And he told this to Steve Weish, my man at the NFL Network. You know what he's talking about or who he's talking about. He's talking generally about all these young offensive guys who come in yep. who are like, one degree removed from that other Sean in L.A. But specifically, <laughs> he's talking about Cliff Kingsbury. Because that's, right. that's the only guy who fits the bill who's on his schedule that's this right. year. So, yes, I kind of like it, Frank. He also doesn't like the fact that he doesn't have, like, a little cradle of coaches. He was hoping that some of maybe his defensive guys could have gotten jobs this offseason. And I keep saying this about the Saints. Everyone talks about the no-call. Remember, they kicked a go-ahead field goal. Then the Rams and Jared Goff marched down the field for a game-tying field goal. Your defense had a chance to stop them right there. No one brings that up. Certainly the people not. Well, because when your defense, you know, gets penalized like it gets penalized, nobody brings it up. Yes. All right. Are the Nets going to miss the playoffs, Michael? Man, you know, three or four days ago, Frank, this didn't seem possible. It looked like the Nets were more likely to finish in sixth than in ninth. But what we've got here is five teams vying for, you know, the final three spots. The Nets, after that loss, are only one game up on Orlando in ninth. A half game up on Miami in eighth. And they got Boston, Milwaukee twice, Toronto, Indy, Miami. And for the season finale, they could be playing for something. I mean, there is no lock here. And that schedule makes it look like, to me, they might be the odd team out. They just finished a seven-game, 17-day road trip. They catch a break because tomorrow night they're going to play Boston. Boston will be on a back-to-back, so who knows? Maybe Kyrie Irving doesn't play. I do have a scenario for you, though. Last season, there was a playing game between Minnesota and Denver. Yeah, yeah. On the final night of the season, we could great. get Miami with Miami, Dwayne Wade Dwayne playing Wade. his last game yeah. in Brooklyn to get into the playoffs. You like that, don't you? Who do you think I'm rooting for? Because I know who you're rooting for. And such as, oh, no. Wait, no, you're sort of a Nets guy. I forget you're on the pregame, there the postgame. Fill in Frank. Bring, bring up steady... that little scenario the next time you're on the jump. That will be a good idea. <laughs> Thanks for your email, peeps. We're going to take one last break, but still to come. Will the Chicago Bears right to trade away their top running back? And will Tiger and Rory put on a match worth watching tomorrow? More sports on tomorrow. Baseball, basketball, golf. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Get in front of you. Time to get happy, people. Happy 30th birthday tomorrow to Chris Sale, (laughs) who fits the category of what in the hell can you give this guy that he doesn't already have? He's a seven-time All-Star. He's got a World Series ring. Just signed a five-year, $145 million contract extension 
I guess if we're really looking hard, there's a matter of a Cy Young that could go on his mantle. You're being very kind to him, Michael. On opening day, three innings, seven earned runs, three home runs he gave up to the Mariners. The undefeated Mariners, by the way. Ah, just opening day. Happy anniversary, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. On this day, 37 years ago, as a freshman, you hit a jump shot with 16 seconds remaining to give North Carolina the national championship over Georgetown. This was the first of a great, great many iconic moments for the greatest player in the history of this game. That game featured not only a freshman Jordan, but another freshman named Patrick Ewing, yep. another freshman named Sam Perkins, and a junior star, James Worthy. It was my first Final Four courtside, Frank, and I could have just stopped right then and there. The question is five years later, Keith Smart, almost the same spot on the court. Were you there? I was there. I was there, there for that is. one, too. So you didn't stop. I didn't stop. Happy trails, Jordan Howard. The Bears' leading rusher was shipped to the Eagles for a sixth-round pick that could become a fifth-rounder in 2020. The emergence of Terry Cohen and a stylistic change under new coach Matt Nagy lessened Howard's impact with the Bears. I just hope in looking to upgrade the position, the Bears don't regret dumping such a productive player down the line. Yeah, Howard ranks third in the NFL in rushing since entering the league, by the way. All right, no errors today. we got to run through quickly the big finish. Dodgers hit eight home runs on opening day record. Is that a big deal, Frank? Absolutely. Corey Seager had one of them as well. Tiger advanced to the weekend in match play and now faces Rory. Is that a must-see? Any Tiger is a must-see, particularly with Rory, too. Greg Schiano resigned from the Patriots. Your thoughts? I think it actually puts a lot more responsibility on Bill Belichick now with that defense. Celtics-Pacers tonight. Important game. Oh, yeah. Pacers are a game of the fourth seed. This could determine home court advantage in that series, as you well know, Frank. Last one. Women's Sweet 16 tonight. UCLA-UConn. Do you see Gino and UConn going down? Nah, UConn last missed the Final Four back in 07. Go win tonight. All right, we're out of time. Thanks for watching. I'm Frank Isola. And I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. I'll see Zion tonight. Hopefully. Show off. <laughs>